Telling the Tale. I'm your host, Mitchell Farley-Wolf, where we are going through every single Telltale episode, and I'm here today with my co-host, Dustin Jackson. Hey, Dustin, what's up? Yay, verily, Mitcheth. Uh, what bringest thou to our audience today? Oh, are we are we doing that? <laughs> well, every time we start think, the show, th- you hit me with something, <laughs> and uh, it, it catches me off guard. You're you're a real surpriser. I l- I like to keep it on brand for the episode. Um, I don't want to do the whole episode like that, though. I think just yeah. the one sentence was good. Well, I, I would I would have let you. <laughs> I wanted to see how it could go, um, but you're right. I don't <laughs> think it's very sustainable. Dustin, there was a thing um, on Twitter where you drew uh, an amazing, uh, and you're still in the process of doing it, you're drawing an amazing collage of characters from Rare games, one letter at a time. Uh, That's true. I just wanted to talk about that briefly in the show because I think it, it's worth praise and it's re- it's really cool looking oh stop but thank you what are you up to uh you're up to you right now yes uh, oh i just did you and i'm actually working on v v is in the process of being done and will be posted sometime how exciting <laughs> i'm pretty excited for it i look forward to doing those like every time i'm like I want to see how I draw this character. And then sometimes I like it, sometimes I don't. Luckily for this, I've mostly liked them. Yeah, and I think everyone who's seen it is also just really excited about it. Barring one person who saw that you did Klungo instead of Kazooie for K and uh, has now blocked you. And, you know, (laughs) that's a bummer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's valid. I'm not going to tell them. It's true I did not draw Kazooie, so... The secret I, <laughs> about whether it's valid or not is that it's actually not. <laughs> that That's true, but I mean, they're not wrong. I did draw Klungo instead of Kazooie. Do you say Klungo? Yeah, Klungo. Oh, Klungo, that's, Klungo. That's fun. Uh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're talking this week about, you know, a game. It's the fifth episode in Sam and Max Save the World. It's... Sam and Max Save the World, Episode 5, Reality 2.0. It was originally released on GameTap on March 19, or sorry, 29th, 2007. So we're still pretty early 2007. Something interesting that I found out, Dustin, was yes. that um, each of these episodes had three release dates. <laughs> there was the GameTap release date, and then usually like a week later there was a subscriber release date. So if you subscribed to the, the season, you bought the season up front on Telltale Games' website, you would get the episode one week after GameTap still. And then uh, a few days after that, the website opened it up for everyone to buy. Oh, that sounds very... It's been so long since then. I totally forgot that was a thing, but that sounds very familiar. The thing is, like, I didn't buy these until, like, the whole games were out, usually. Uh, So that's interesting. Three different release dates for one single chapter. (laughs) Yeah. For a total of six chapters. And and it's especially weird that of them, the subscribers 
who bought the season ahead of time, you'd think they should get it first. Uh, no dice. They did not get it first. Yeah, maybe it was just, uh, you know, part of their deal with GameTap. GameTap always gets it first. Uh, definitely didn't really help uh, GameTap in the long run, I don't think. Well, <laughs> I, maybe it did. I, I don't know <laughs> what else was going on at, at GameTap. Um, the problem might have been nothing is going on at GameTap. But I remember <laughs> uh, hopping into the uh, the Telltale website when I first found it, and everyone was talking about, like, Ooh, they're going to Steam. That's so exciting. And like other people on the forums would be like, why would that why would I care about what store I buy it from? And I still yeah. feel that way. <laughs> but at the time it was very exciting that it was part of their Steam library and not just their game tap portfolio or their list of downloads on the download pages on telltale.com. I guess I kind of get that. It is kind of nice having them as just one big game collection in one library, but um, it's it's not the biggest deal, but I can kind of get it. I get it. I get it. Well, it's, it definitely doesn't feel like the biggest deal to me now. Uh, at the time, I think there was also some stuff like that was that was around the height of Team Fortress 2 and people caring about that. So anything that they could like play on the same client as their team fortress two client. Now that's exciting. Apparently I, <laughs> I, I still don't really understand why it matters, um, but it's, it's continued to matter even now until like the, the Epic game store versus steam stuff. And it's just weird. Uh, I, I think it is weird. I think the idea of caring about like what store you buy a game from online is just so, it's a different world from me. I don't. I don't understand it. Yeah, like I. Don't, I don't want to say it's a bad thing. Like you know, whatever gets you excited is awesome. But for for me personally, I don't. Like I usually would buy things on Steam now just because it's easier for me. But I wouldn't be like, oh, that's on the Epic Store. I can't have that in my Steam library. No sale. Yeah, <laughs> I I sometimes you just see lost people talking about games like if, if they're announcing that they're only on uh, Epic Game Store or something, there there will be someone in the comments section that says, oh, "No, I can't get it. I don't have Epic Game Store," and it's <laughs> like a it's just a different website. It's like the the client is free. It's as it's the same. Like what? Are, I don't I don't get it, Dustin. I'm 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 frustrated on it. Let's I'm sorry, on. Mitch. Here, let me rub. Let me rub the top of your head. Oh, thanks, bud. <laughs> yeah, you 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 can real really uh feel all that skin moving around. <laughs> yeah, don't. I'm I'm always looking out for you. <laughs> yeah, that's important to do. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the writers designers on this episode were Dave Grossman, Brendan Q. Ferguson, Chuck Jordan, who started in the uh, last episode, Abe Lincoln Must Die. And newcomer to the list, Heather Logus. Hi, Heather Logus. Hi, Heather Logus. Thank- I liked your episode. Uh, speaking of which, I-, I liked the episode. How do you feel about the episode? I like it overall. I have some some mixed thoughts in there. Tell me but about. But overall, it. I I think it's real good. Um, so remember how last episode you said you didn't 
feel like it was particularly one of the funniest episodes. You said there weren't like a whole lot of funny lines that stood out. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel about this one. Like going through it, there wasn't a whole lot that made me laugh, but I just think the general idea of the episode has a lot going for it. Yeah, I'm getting to a point where like, I don't really know what I'm looking for anymore because I think that I'm also feeling that a little bit, um, a decline in, in like pure joke per minute stuff. Um, but I'm also liking the episodes more anyway. Uh, so th- this is, this is, I think the big division between Telltale's version of the Sam and Max world and everything else Sam and Max has ever done because Sam and Max has always been a pure comedy. The point of the comics and the TV show and even the LucasArts game is is to tell jokes and have it be funny. And the Telltale games are definitely also very funny, but it's not the point anymore. Now now the point is sort of a more mature goal of just focusing on the rest of the game. Um, And... I I can see people falling out of that or I can see people getting really into that. And I think just naturally I'm falling into I definitely want the comedy to still be there, but I also like the greater focus on the actual mystery that's happening. So I don't know, I'm I'm kind of with it, but I I can definitely see where you're coming from. Oh, no, yeah, I agree. I, st- I still thought the episode was very good, and I think focusing on the story itself is the right way to go. Um, And and it's not even that I think this episode wasn't funny, because there's still some really good jokes in there. I just felt like there was a little less this time compared to other episodes. But, like I said, just the idea of the whole episode, like what you do in the episode, is creative and fun. So I, I still had a very good time. Um, it, it, it seems like you're a bit, uh, you're a bit reserved on this one though, even with the comedy notwithstanding, just from the way you're talking about it. Oh no, like overall I like this, I, I think I would probably put it below the last episodes just because I do feel like the last episode, you know, is a little more action packed, had a little more comedy in there for me, but mm-hmm. I, I just think the gameplay of this section is... Like, I hate to jump ahead, but like the part with uh, the cops where you can change stuff in reality 2.0, I think that's uh, lots of fun. Even if you only use it for like a, a few puzzles and then you're done with it, it's still like you haven't done anything like that in any of these episodes before. It's it's a new thing. And that, I think, is very cool. Well, let's talk about it. Let's get into the plot of the episode. I would love to. I'd be delighted to get into this episode. So, Dustin, the commissioner calls Sam and Max, as they usually do right before the uh, the episode gets going. And it basically seems like they had this, you know, small incident of hypnosis on their street happening in episode one with uh, Brady Culture. And in episode two, there was a TV show trying to publicly broadcast some hypnosis, and then there was a mass-produced uh, product in episode three trying to 
publicly broadcast hypnosis. And then the president of the United States was broadcasting hypnosis, and he's an important, powerful person. And those, like, each individually could have probably gone pretty far if Sam and Max didn't stop them. But now people, like, all over the world, anywhere they are, just seem to be hypnotized where they are. Um, and that's that's a hard thing to take down, and it, it the only clue that they have is that they're all related somehow to the internet. <laughs> um, being a game from 2007, I think it's so funny that, like, the, the, the topics of, of these episodes, Dustin, are, they've been, um, They've been TV, like, what are you watching on TV, being both the political stuff in episode four and the talk show stuff in episode two and the, the sitcom stuff in episode one. And now mm-hmm. they're, they're also talking about internet. And, and I think that makes sense because this is an episodic video game coming out on the internet. They're, they're trying to maybe comment a little bit on what they are. Uh, like, oh, this is an internet game. Uh, so we're doing an episode on the internet, which is so funny because that only is significant in 2007. Now every game is an internet game. You buy all of them on the internet. That's how you play video games now. Um, it's it's true. The internet was big in 2007. Well, <laughs> well it, it, it felt it felt novel. It felt more novel. Than yeah. Like oh, we're doing this online. This is a video game, but online. Okay. We'll try it out. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it it was a it was a different time. It was the Wild West. Uh, like you said, nowadays that's just kind of what you do with things like Steam, the Epic Game Store, etc. But back then, Telltale was kind of one of the only. I don't want to say they're the only one, but they were kind of like one of the only ones distributing their games, like specifically online. Yeah, outside of. Uh... Outside of GameTap, uh, although maybe they are they were the I don't know. It seems like GameTap was mostly just built on Telltale releases because I've never heard of them in any other context besides Telltale games. The only other thing I know about GameTap, um, I remember seeing some commercials for it back in the day. It had stuff like Oddworld on there, but the weirdest thing about it was. They made new episodes of Space Ghost Coast to Coast specifically for GameTap. That is strange. Were they good? No, um, uh, I would need to watch them again. It's been a long time since I've seen those ones. I remember thinking they felt kind of off. I wonder if they had, like, different writers at that point, because a lot of the writers of Space Ghost Coast to Coast went on to do stuff like Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Squidbillies, and stuff. So, I don't know. Maybe it was the same people. I'd have I'd have to look into it. I think I only watched like two of them and only once. I would wager that at least part of it feeling off is the fact that you're watching it on GameTap. Yeah, you just the overall experience <laughs> yeah. of it is totally different. But um that's all I know about GameTap. I don't entirely know what it is. Maybe like was it basically just like a game pass sort of thing like you you do a subscription then you can just play any game on there no 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 it was like steam um you oh so so it was a client but you bought the games on there yeah it was just a version of steam that didn't get as much traction and pickup as uh as valves so 
Okay, I I always thought it was like a purely subscription based thing. Interesting. No, that would have been cool, and that would have been way ahead of the curve because yeah. Microsoft is only getting <laughs> around to that now. So exactly. Okay, so if you go to Sybil's, Sybil's got a new job, as is her want to uh, be a beta tester for a VR MMO called Reality 2.0. Um, you, you get a lot of good information here. You find out that Reality 2.0 was developed by a group called The Cops, C-O-P-S. Um, <laughs> and uh, all you need to do is fire Jimmy Two Teeth out of a cannon at her face. That's true. You get the cannon from Bosco's. Uh, when you go into Bosco's, Jimmy is there. He's set up shop. He's selling a cannon. And uh, if he fires it once at you, he'll he'll fire it at you if you try to interact with him. But then after he fires, he turns around. He turns his back to you so he can, you know, refill his cannon. Uh, and if you, if you wait until he turns his back to you, you can push him in the cannon, get him stuck, and then just take the cannon. <laughs> yeah, get take the cannon with half of Jimmy Two Teeth sticking out of it. Um, l- lovely little puzzle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is this is definitely a read because you have the boxing glove in your inventory, and you just can't like y- you can't just hit Sybil with it for some reason. You have to fire Jimmy Two Teeth out of a cannon straight into her face. I never thought it. Why I never thought about that. Why don't they just? Is there a reason they can't just punch Sybil? Yeah, if you try it, uh, Sam gets close, and then Sybil like it just starts flailing around because right. she's in the game. That's right. She's fighting That's off right. uh, monsters in her in her uh, storefront in the game. Right. So you need to hit her from a distance with the cannon. Yeah. But it's also like throw anything, you know. <laughs> like this, it's such an adventure gameish moment. I, I actually don't like this little thing, but thankfully, there's not. You don't have access to very much at, at the beginning of the episode, so throwing Jimmy Two Teeth just seems like the logical thing to do, I guess. <laughs> yeah, y- your options are limited, so you don't have a whole lot to confuse you. You can pretty much figure out what you have to do. Right. Oh, by the way, if you, I, I have a good line here. When Sam's trying to buy the cannon before you end up just stealing it, um, Jimmy Tooth says he's an arms dealer, and then they ask, "What do you got?" And Jimmy Tooth, uh, he says, "Right now, I've only got this cannon." And Sam goes, "How much is the cannon?" And Jimmy says, "It's not for sale." And Sam says, "Worst arms dealer ever." Uh, and I, I like that line. It's true, though. He is the worst arms dealer ever. because He, he has the one thing, and he won't sell it to he you. Won't, he won't sell the one thing he has. And there, there's definitely <laughs> no other buyers on this street. I, I would wager that no one has ever bought anything on this entire street other than Sam and Max. Yeah, I think so. Bosco's is always uh, pretty stocked, and it is inconvenient. Yeah, Bosco's and, and he doesn't he doesn't even need to sell anything. He has so much money now. Yeah, that's, that's true. He's he's definitely a multimillionaire. Um even before this episode. And then after this episode he, he, he's he could a billionaire. Not, he could he could not sell a single thing and just be set for the rest of his life. Well, Wizard does put the 
tapes, the Ibo tapes in Bosco's store in that first episode of the show. And that might be an indication that he his store is viewed as having a large-ish reach of of customers. That's true. Uh, so maybe they're just all there when when we're not. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, it seems pretty empty. Maybe it isn't. Uh, so if you fire the rat at her face, her reality or her, uh, her virtual reality goggles break and you can you can have them and uh, she tells you that yeah she's just been beta testing this game and uh, that she thought it was Friday but it's actually Thursday now I think it was so she's been playing for a full week I, I think I think she started on Monday and it's Friday now so she's oh, yeah, okay. she's been playing for a week almost. Yeah, she's been playing for a full week, and she didn't even know. She thought it was the same day. Uh, <laughs> so there, there's definitely some light hypnosis going on here. Not necessarily anything crazy. All the other hypnosis schemes uh, up till this point have been... They, they, they seem um, like action-based. They're trying to get someone to do something. The reality 2.0 hypnosis doesn't seem that way at all. It just seems like it's um, it just wants people to stay in the yeah. thrall. It's tr- it's trying to trap them in a separate world, basically. Yeah, I wonder if once they had enough people in reality 2.0, it would turn face and suddenly become really bad um, when it starts making people do stuff. But oh, uh, that's true. But up to that point, it was just sort of fine. It was doing whatever it was doing. <laughs> um, yeah, we, sh- we should have just let it keep going, see how it played out. So we, we, we briefly touched on Bosco. Um, but this week, he is El Boscadrill, the unhinged, mighty half-elf ranger. <laughs> I, I like him having unhinged as part of his name. Yeah, he's not even a little hinged. <laughs> So his explanation for this is that he's now selling stuff online because the real world is dangerous enough. And everyone online, he says, has an avatar. So he has to be a half elf, Uh, which is such a funny concept that to be online, you have to have like some sort of fantasy name. Uh, that, That dates the episode quite a bit. I think the the ubiquitousness of saying, oh, you're online like in World of Warcraft. (laughs) That's that's sort of gone (laughs) away. Yeah, um, I should have made my own persona for this episode, but I didn't. Maybe next time. Let's workshop it right now. What you got? What do you want to be? Um, I'll be. um, What's the vibe? I'll be I'll be uh, Dusculon the disorderly. And what's your, what's your fantasy uh, race? Are you, um, are you a half elf like Bosco? Um, I'm gonna be a half elf like Bosco, but I'm gonna be the other half. <laughs> oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> um, Thanks. I I've always thought it's interesting to say half elf as the name of a race because, like, there's the other half. You know? Yeah. 
Because it, um, it may not be human. <laughs> I I would think that would be even more creative because honestly, elves aren't like that much different from humans at a glance a lot of the time. With Bosco, so, is, his face is yeah. <laughs> split in half <laughs> with these. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he's got different skin color going. Well, actually, not in the real world yet. Uh, now he only has... I think it's only that one of his ears is pointy now. <laughs> what a good disguise. Yeah. <laughs> um, and if you ask Bosco what he's selling, he'll say that he's selling a biological weapon for $1 billion. That's not a small sum of money, I'll tell you right now. No, that's a big that's a big boy amount. That's a large a large grouping of dollars. That's ten times as much as the last episode, which was already big boy dollars. Yeah, every episode <laughs> you start out with uh ten thousand dollars for a tear gas grenade launcher in the first episode. And the thing with that is that like if it was a real tear gas gas grenade launcher and it came with actual war crime gas and it was made to be that way that would probably be ten thousand dollars that probably wouldn't be that wrong um every single other time it's been a ridiculous amount of money for nothing uh this is a (laughs) biological weapon he does not expand on that further he just says it is one so so (laughs) there's that (laughs) (laughs) um and and that's basically the entirety of what you can do without going to anywhere new on on the street um hugh bliss's shop by the way it used to be next to bosco's where he was giving out uh, emetics books he's gone now it looks like the shop was not a good enough venue for getting rid of those books if you talk to sybil though (laughs) Uh, she tells you that Lefty's store, which is the store right next to Sybil's, sort of in the alley, is where um, the developers of Reality 2.0 cops are stationed. Sorry, Dustin, what were you going to say? Oh, I wasn't going to say anything. Don't you worry about me. You continue with the cops, also known as the Computer Obsolescence Prevention Society. What, what do you think of the cops? I love them. I think the cops are great. Um, especially Bluster Blaster. I mean, I feel like he's the fan favorite for obvious reasons. He's a, he's a very shouty arcade cabinet. Um, so the members of cops, I have them written down. We have Bob Bell, who's like, a, he's a corded phone. He's like an automated phone. Yeah, he's got the voice uh, of like a 1950s phone operator. Yeah, he kind of sounds like this. Yeah. If you wait for the and tone, that, you can leave your message right after the tone. They wouldn't have said tone <laughs> twice. If the, <laughs> That's the thing about it. He's better at it than me. That's true. You're not a phone. I'm not a phone. Um, there's Buster Blaster. There's Bob Bell. There's Kurt. Kurt 286. Kurt 286, who uh, I don't really know what he is supposed to be. Yeah, Wikipedia said he looks like an Osborne 1, but that does not tell you what it is, just what he looks what like. What is an Osborne 1? I don't know. I did not look into it any further. Okay, well, it's, it's time for <laughs> Google. We have one of these about once per episode. Um, the, Thanks, Google. The Osborne 1 is the first 
commercially uh, commercially successful portable computer. So it's a laptop. Um, oh. It's a laptop that is powered by a wall socket. So I guess they didn't figure out that that doesn't make sense for laptops yet, but it's literally the first one. <laughs> so pretty good. Um, yeah, still off to a good start, all things considered. Yeah. And and he sounds like this at all times. Dustin, that's a really good Kurt. I've been practicing, you know. <laughs> um, and then the other one is Chippy, who is a uh, Pong plug-and-play TV console who never talks uh, but only makes different chirps, sort of like R2-D2 a little bit. Yeah, he's the cut-up of the gang. So in addition to being video game developers, these pieces of obsolete technology are also a support group for... I I think the language on this is really interesting. Um, They describe themselves as differently useful computers and machines. So things that have become obsolete with time. Um, and, and they feel bad about being obsolete, especially when this whole internet thing is, is around. Um, but also, in addition to being video game developers, a support group for obsolete machines, in addition to all that, they're also a band. And they, they just <laughs> they make music together. The, these guys do a lot of stuff. Yeah, they're, they're good pals. Uh, they got a lot going on. <laughs> um. If you talk to them the wrong way, they will start singing their song, <laughs> Useful to Boot. I love this song. I, I Sam and Max has song. a lot of Sam and Max has a lot of songs. I think this is the one I would say is my favorite. Every episode so far, except kind of episode two, but even episode two, has one song with lyrics where yeah. they they really go hard and they try to say like this is the song of this episode. Episode two had the, they're probably hiding a cow, uh, but that's all <laughs> that song is. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if that counts, but um, yeah, this is useful to boot. It's about just old machines feeling bad that they can't be used anymore. Uh, I, I highlighted a line from this song. Uh, Computers today just confound and confuse comfort is waiting in yesterday's news for some reason that line just struck me that's a that's a seemingly important idea (laughs) interesting (laughs) interesting choice you've made uh i guess so i'm sorry i have i've bored dustin with my choice of no, mind. No, 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 I mean it. I mean it for real. I'm sorry if it's, I'm sorry if it sounded insincere. It's what, fine. We can move on. Uh, no, wait, what was it? You, was it you or someone else who said, uh, oh no, it was on our good friend, uh, the conversation podcast. Uh, I called into it last week and our friend Jeff said, uh, the more legit, um, interested in something the more uh the more i'm actually interested in like something during a call the more sarcastic i sound like <laughs> and, I, and yeah, I was like oh i, I, I have I'm that sorry. sometimes too 
<laughs> I'm sorry I don't sound like I actually care when I really do. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of language. I highlighted that, that line because um, I, I think that it's endearing that the cops in this uh in this episode are, are trying to find genuine comfort in like their days past um and, and also the fact that they describe themselves as differently useful is very reminiscent of how uh disability support groups especially at that time period back, back in um 07 would maybe have used the term differently abled um or um differently aged for for maybe some sort of i i don't really know if there's much of a a support group scene for for just being older but um if there were they would they would probably use language similar to that um and and the fact that all of them are making this game for the internet like this internet is the other machine but it's the cool thing it's the new thing it's the current powerful thing, uh, and it's abusing them because of their comparative disability. Um, there's a lot going on with this group that I I have a lot of different feelings about. I'm not sure where I've landed with them actually, but um, that they, they they're a choice. They are a, a writing choice from Telltale. Is what I'll say. I like I like that you use the word endearing because I think that is the perfect word for the cops. I I like these guys, and I like that even though they are differently useful, I I like that they're kind of they're hanging in there. They're there for each other. They are endearing. They're very nice characters. I like them a lot. I was immediately and this is a lot of the conversation just about the cops, but I was immediately drawn to a comparison with uh, Homestar Runner. How in those cartoons, older technology is always the butt of a joke. How Strong Bad's computer is at any given point like twenty years old. Um, it 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 seems like at this time, it felt like the funniest thing in the world is to just get twenty year old technology and just look at it. <laughs> uh, yeah, like the internet was so full of people that were always really up to date with all of the latest technology that uh for anyone to have like an old laptop top just on its own that was a joke uh and i think now we've we've flipped on it because some of the new stuff is just so like obviously i mean it's it's usually better but it has more obvious pros and cons versus the old things rather than being it like a strict improvement. I know a lot of um, Smash Brothers players who will only play on CRT televisions, older box televisions, uh, because of the lack of lag in comparison to HD televisions. Um, I, I think that is a distinctly non-2007 mindset of respecting older technology. That is very true. I I had not considered that, but it it's interesting how different things were then. Um, it's it's hard for me to say because I was never really like a one or the other kind of guy. Like, I I guess I always tried to. Well, that's not true. Like a lot of my stuff would be 
not like horribly out of date, not like strong bad out of date, but um, like I rarely ever had the the most up to date phone. Even now, I'm using like I have an iPhone eight. When is eight from? Eight is from I don't exactly know the year, but it was a while ago. They're at like eleven now, I think, or something. Uh, the point is, I purposefully got an old one just because it's cheaper, and it works basically the same. Like, all the bells and whistles. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's because using older technology... Well, you know, maybe this is totally irrelevant since I'm still talking about relatively new technology, but, like, maybe the gap between them doesn't seem that big. That's true. I'm like we we've definitely passed uh uh the hump of when every year was a bigger gap in technology than the year before. Now every year is a smaller gap in technology than the year before. Um as happens in every aspect of technology. I I also think though like if you looked at these four things in real life, the phone would be pretty much completely useless. Most people don't even have I mean, not not most people, but a lot of people don't even have landlines anymore. Yeah. Um, the house I'm living in right now does not have a landline at all. The the Osborne is useless, <laughs> um, although still very cool. Like that's something that I think a lot of computing nerds would get way into the you know in the history of personal computing. Like the very the very first uh, laptop, basically. Yeah, but then the two video game things, um, both Chippy and Buster Blaster, they would be considered awesome today. Just to have like yeah. an original Atari in really good condition or to have a completely, uh, a whole big arcade machine. Arcade machines haven't even gone down in price since, like they, they have gone down, but they've gone back up. Um, like that, That's that an stuff interesting... Would be awesome. Yeah, that's an interesting way to think about it. Two, at least two of these guys would kind of find a newfound appreciation these days, especially Bluster Blaster. Like, I think that would be awesome to have an arcade cabinet. Like, I I think Chippy would be more like a collector's thing. Like, it would be a cool novelty. But personally, I don't think I would get that excited about having an old Pong console. But I, I know there's plenty of people out there who would be like all over it. But I just think the... Just having an arcade cabinet would be so cool. Well, if you adjust for time, it's been about 14 years since this episode of Sam and Max came out. Mm -hmm. So 14 years after Pong, like maybe we're talking Super Nintendo. Um, so uh, That's a good way to think. I would love to have a Super Nintendo. Yeah, I would love See, now, to have now a Super Nintendo. Now it's put into terms that I can relate with. Now I get the significance of Chippy. Yeah. So anyway, all these guys are awesome. It's the best. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they have a great song. The, you know what? I like these guys going in, but I think they might be some of my favorite characters now that we're we're talking about them openly. Yeah, they're my favorite thing called cops. Um, <laughs> if you talk to them for a little while about Reality 2.0, uh, they'll let you play it, and uh, they they need to fix uh, Sybil's vr glasses that you threw a rat at so <laughs> chippy point uh prints out a chip for you 
which doesn't make sense as something that it can do, but it's fine. No, yeah, it, it at least gives Chippy a use. <laughs> that That's a whole thing it can do, is print out chips. Yeah, <laughs> the idea of printing out a chip at all is silly, but the, the fact that the Atari can do it, <laughs> it, it makes even less sense. Um, you take the chip, you put it in the goggles, and all of a sudden you're in reality 2.0. Um, a woman who personifies the internet, like a, like a woman's face printed on a silicon chip, greets you as you enter the game, and then you're off to the races. You can just do what you want in reality 2.0. Um, this had might have been why this episode was my favorite episode when I was, be, when I was just playing because it the first time. It's basically just like a whole separate world, like an alternate version of the street, basically. Yeah, I I loved anything like video games in other video games or things like that was I just loved that stuff like Tron. That was the coolest vibe to me. Um, or that one episode of Fairly Odd Parents, where I think it's the first episode of Fairly Odd Parents, where Timmy goes inside the the TV or or the video. What's he go inside of? Um, is it? Um, he, I think he just wishes that he were in a video game, and he brings his uh, friends with him. I don't remember the exact specifics, but something along those lines. I don't. I don't remember him bring it. it the, the first episode. Okay. <laughs> this is the <laughs> this is the part of the show where we talk about our our favorite episodes of fairly odd parents so this was the first episode of fairly odd parents and i remembered because they only came out with one and then they played it on rerun all week just the same one episode um and it the first half of the episode was timmy wishing he was an adult and then he becomes all gross and people don't treat him like a kid and he doesn't like it the second part of the episode was he goes in he wishes he wishes he was in a video game but then also like i remember there's a joke about one time they're on the tetherball channel so it's sort of conflating tv with video games in a weird way um remember the tetherball channel joke in that one episode <laughs> 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 fairly odd parents <laughs> it, it, it peaked at the tetherball channel joke <laughs> It really did. The show is a downhill <laughs> slump from there. Um, <laughs> anyway, I like that vibe of just in a video game. Tim, that Timmy's friend cyberwork. in that episode. Timmy's friend in that episode was voiced by uh, Frankie Muniz. What friend? I don't remember a friend in that episode. Oh yeah, both his friends were there. Uh, he had uh, Chester and AJ. Chester and AJ were there. Ch okay. Yeah, uh, Chester was voiced by Frankie Muniz in the first, like, couple seasons. Or maybe it was just the first season. I uh, did not know that. Yeah, and then they went inside the video game. Story over. Man, Frankie Muniz, what, what a sad situation. If you don't know what we're talking about, yeah. we're already on our fifth tangent in. So uh, <laughs> you'll have to look that up yourself. But yeah, Frankie Muniz. So re you're in reality 2.0. Um, the, the, the street is all like blue and, and cyberpunky and, and like half built and there's Mario coins just hanging in the air. Um, 
it's it's a bunch of weird only video game stuff and uh what do you think of the reality 2.0 part of this episode i like it it's fun uh like i said i really like how it's basically all the environments you've already been used to like the office sybil's office bosco's store um but different and i like that And and i like that you can flip between the two you can take the headset off at any point and just see like where you are in each world and and that's used for at least one puzzle uh yeah it it feels sort of like um the only thing that's happened in actual video games that i i can kind of equate to this is flight simulator um where microsoft flight simulator tries to actually map out the entirety of the world in its game oh you know what is maybe a better comparison is pokemon go because Ah. if sam and max talk to each other they'll say something like hey have you noticed that when we go somewhere in the game somehow we end up there in real life and then max says (laughs) yeah it's almost like we're walking around without knowing it and uh that's how pokemon go is so that so that's a thing um, also, I can't believe Pokemon Go ripped off Sam and Max. <laughs> the, uh, it looks amazing in this new lighting. I Yeah, I was going to say the same. There's a couple instances in this episode where I think the lighting really works out. All the colors in Reality 2.0, but also just in Sybil's office in the main game. Because all the lights are turned off. All you have is the light of her computer, her laptop. And uh, I think that looks really cool. Also, the lighting in uh, Lefties with the cops, uh, you see, you know, it's its a dark room, but you see the light from the blinds coming in through the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you go around, uh, you try to collect those coins we mentioned, because if you get five of them, you can get Bosco's, uh, Bosco's selling a wooden sword for five coins in the reality of reality 2.0. Uh, and if you get that wooden sword, you bonk Bosco on the head with it. And then he snaps out of his hypnosis and he, he, uh, returns to the real world. Uh, which is something that you want to happen for a different puzzle. And, uh, th- there's a lot of just like trading around items, in reality 2.0 like you want the coin so you can get the sword so you can fight a thing so you can do a different thing and uh just like a video game yeah it, it feels the most video gamey by far even outside of just the tone just the way it works um sort of falls into that as well um i i don't think we we need to go over every single thing that you need to do in order to get through the episode but um in order to wire Bosco the one billion dollars he requires for the um, biological weapon, you go to the money laundering website where he keeps his money, um, and you can just move money around. And there's that's this, just something you can do. There's this bank account called Roy G. Biv, who has one billion dollars already. And if you solve a little puzzle, you can move all of it into Bosco's account. And uh, they they talk about who Roy GBF is. Like, they notice it's weird that this guy 
whoever this is uh, has a billion dollars and is just sort of letting it sit here where it can be stolen. And this must be a person. Who is this guy? Um, And I think even at the time, Sam and Max are smart enough to say something to the effect of Roy G. Biv is um, the benefactor of reality 2.0 in some way. Like, he must be if this much money is just around and he's supplying it. Right. Which is a smart deduction for Sam and Max. Usually they aren't quite like that. (laughs) They're they're a lot slower (laughs) to the punch. Man, imagine just getting one billion dollars out of the blue. Yeah. Wouldn't that be neat? Wouldn't that just be this cool thing? Yeah, imagine that, but then now imagine getting a million dollars out of the blue. (laughs) You're right, that would also be pretty cool. (laughs) I was going to say, it seems like not much now, but... (laughs) yeah that's it still would be pretty cool though yeah that like that's so much less than a billion dollars but that's still a million more than i have so yeah i would be fine with it (laughs) ideal yeah you hear that must i only need a million (laughs) if i must i guess i'll accept the one million dollars if i must i musk um You eventually are able to, to uh, move the money around to Bosco's. You go back to Bosco in real life, and he says, I don't know how you did it, but <laughs> I just have a billion dollars now. I assume that was you. So, yeah, you can have the biological weapon. And he sneezes into a handkerchief and gives it to you. And now you have that, and you say, <laughs> this sucks. And he goes, no, 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 it works. I feel like I'm having a cold coming on. Um <laughs> So that's just that's just what that is. That's pretty awesome. You give him a billion dollars, and that's what he does for you. Yeah, Bosco's he sneezes a pal. into a, a napkin for you. It's it's the best. <laughs> um, all of your items sort of uh, transfer back and forth between real world things, and then when you enter reality 2.0, things that make sense in reality 2.0. Uh, so that's that's awesome. It is. Awesome. I, I love that. Like, in the same way I like how the world changes, everything in your inventory changes. That, that, that's just a neat little thing. Uh, if you bring the biological weapon, which is not in a napkin, to Reality 2.0, it turns into a computer virus. And um, by defeating Antibiotic, who is a basically an, uh, an antivirus program... Uh, you can mail the computer virus to everyone on the internet and take down the internet. <laughs> it's about time. Yeah, really, I would like someone to do this for my internet. <laughs> um, then, uh, okay, yeah, so then the the, the internet face, the, the woman's face personifying the personifying the internet who's definitely a reference by the way to system shock sort of the the face coming out of the computer chip in system shock that's this that's this uh internet in this game um i did not i did not know that i've never played system shock oh there's a there's a fantastic um scene from the end of system shock uh two i think 
Hang on, I'm going to send you something. I want you to watch it on the show. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is bad podcasting. Um, but This is what separates us from the other podcasts. Yeah, this is... I used to be better at it, but then now I'm better than that. So <laughs> so if you look at the, the link I just sent you, look at the, the video and, and listen to it. Okay. So we're looking at uh, uh, some guy talking to the, the face in the, uh, like, programming at the end of System of Shock 2. <laughs> and then this is the way you win that game. <laughs> you just sort of... <laughs> You just you just shoot the face, huh? Yeah, and then even just the the sound of the the guy, <laughs> his his voice is great. He, like, oh, we can rule the world ending. together. And then the guy just goes, nah, <laughs> and he destroys the the face. It's great. I love it. It's very dumb. You've sold you have sold me on this game. Um. So the internet sort of takes down everything in reality 2.0. It, it is uh, like an apocalypse. Everything goes dark. All the graphics stop rendering. And all the sound and even everything. And then a text adventure starts up. And you do like a legit text adventure in the middle of this episode. Um, I love it. That's such a cool idea. I remember flipping out like here's i've never played that many text adventures but like i i know what text adventures are so when it popped up when i first played it i was like oh that's neat oh i I love text adventures um i I really get down with them and this is this is only a four room text adventure but the the things you have to do are so um abstract that it feels pretty big uh, normally we wouldn't walk through like every puzzle of a thing, but this time I think it's worth it. Um, you can you can go to Sybil's, you can go to the Main Street, you can go to Bosco's, and then you can also go like right below the Main Street uh, because a, a crack in the ground opened up. And if you go to Bosco's and you do take Bosco's, you just add a Bosco's <laughs> to your inventory, <laughs> which is great. Then if you go if you go to Sybil, uh, she suddenly has uh, like just tons and tons of cats, like a mountain of kittens, and the te- the <laughs> the text adventure describes their nauseating cuteness as forming a puddle of cuteness on the ground, uh, <laughs> nauseating a, a, nause- a nauseating lake of cuteness. So if you do if you go there and you have a Bosco's store in your inventory, you can dip the store in the cuteness. And th- then you can just have a soggy Bosco's. Uh if you go to the <laughs> chasm beneath the street, you will find a shambling corporate presence and it eats stores. Uh so you 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 give it the the nauseatingly cute drenched store and then it throws up and it turns out it ate (laughs) the respect for humankind that the internet gave up and then you take that because it threw up threw it up uh, and you give it back to the internet and that's how you save the day what a wild puzzle to think of 
That's so crazy. Like, none of it makes any sense, but that's how you do it. The the way they describe, um, like, all the stores on Sam and Max's street have probably been in and out of style um, time and time again, even within the last couple of years. Um, if you examine the bookstore where Hugh Bliss was, Max says, wow, he's gone already? Um that's a pretty fast turnaround, even for this street, implying that this is just something that normally happens. Businesses go out of business frequently in their area. Uh, so under the ground, under the city, there's this shambling corporate presence that eats businesses from the underside up. And that's that's <laughs> such a cr- creepy idea. It's, it's it's like it's weirdly gross but it's just economics it's (laughs) yeah um and that's that's the end of the episode if you uh give the respect for human life back to the internet the internet stops trying to kill everyone and lets everyone go you saved the day you can take off the goggles um who is it at the end of the episode that you can ask who is roy g biv because someone's is it Um, are you talking to the internet are you just talking to the internet when you do that i think so yeah or or i think you're just were they just speaking out loud to each other no because they're they're, like i think the internet was dying right 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 yes they were asking the internet and the internet says something like i was just put up to this by roy g biv and then the like as they as the internet starts to die, Sam and Max are both like, "Who is Roy G. Biv? Who's Roy G. Biv?" And then you don't get an answer. Um, and that that's like the mystery that the last episode of the show is, or of the game rather, is going to tackle. Who is Roy G. Biv? I think that if you've been paying attention, you can probably put it together with context clues. Yeah, and even if you can't, even if you're not smart, even if you're stupid, uh, his face is just on the moon. Yeah, <laughs> who is Roy G. Biv? And it pans up, and Hugh Bliss's face is on the moon, and uh, you just gotta you gotta deal with that information. That doesn't even make sense to me as like a hint, though, because I don't know why the moon would be connected to any of it at this point. It turns out later that the moon has reasons to be connected to it, but that's a that's a that's a spoiler for another episode. Um, but yeah, Roy G. Biv, of course, being the acronym for red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. So it's the rainbow, as in Hubless. Um, pretty pretty not. You think you subtle. know a guy? You think you know a guy, and then it turns out he has another name that means basically the same thing as Hugh Bliss. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So you did, in fact, know him pretty well. Um, Time for our segments. We've been talking about the main body of the the episode for for quite a while. Um, But there's a lot to talk about here, especially... I think we talked about cops for, like, 15 minutes. (laughs) I think it's well-deserved. I think they're the best part of the episode. They are. Um, Dustin... Let's get into potent pickups, where we talk about our favorite inventory items of the episode. Dustin, what was your favorite inventory item? My favorite inventory item of this episode, for once, I have two. This is the first episode where I have two that I couldn't pick between. Okay, okay. We'll allow it, we'll allow it. 
and I probably could have picked between them, but I'm not going to. What? So the first Come one. On. The fir- <laughs> Put the work into the, f- the show. <laughs> okay, okay. If you want, I'll say only one of them, and then I'll see what yours is after. Unless they're the same. No, just do it. Just, just, just say the two. Okay. So the, f- <laughs> the first one is the computer bug. Because, like, not only is the uh, the bug from other episodes, uh, he's still in your inventory, and he's just cool to begin with. You can keep doing that thing where you place him in different spots and just listen to what people say. Just additional dialogue that doesn't have anything to do with the gameplay or plot. Uh, but if in reality 2.0, he is a computer bug that if you put him on any of the cops, um, we didn't get into this, but in reality 2.0, the cops are kind of, uh, they kind of have different effects on reality 2.0. Like, um, Bluster Blaster controls gravity. Um, Bob controls height, I think, or, and Kurt controls width. And I don't remember what Chippy does, but those are the three that tie into the gameplay. Chippy controls pop-up ads. Oh, right, 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 right. Which you need for later. Um, And that plays into so many puzzles and is just a cool thing you can do. Like, like I said earlier, that's not something you can do in any episode. You can just change how Sam and Max are. You can change the gravity. The, and... You know, there's only like one or two puzzles for each of them, but it's still a neat little. You can just change reality. And yeah, that, that I think is that's really cool. pretty cool. I think yeah. it's funny and that the uh, the four cores of the game engine in Reality 2.0 are always focusing on how tall and how wide you are. Like the the <laughs> gravity makes sense, and I guess something to manage pop ups makes sense. But there's something that's just like we can't just say he's six foot tall. We need to <laughs> constantly be checking <laughs> that he is six foot tall. He the, we he can't be shorter or taller even for a moment. <laughs> that's a whole pillar of keeping reality 2.0 running. Yeah, I learned that in game school. You got to have at least several scripts. Always just wondering how tall your character is. Um, what's your other one? Uh, my other one is the virus you get from Bosco, but specifically in Reality 2.0 because uh, it has a cute little design. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's it. That's pretty good. Um, mine is uh, Bosco's in the text adventure. Oh, oh man! I should have put that. I feel bad. I put the other ones. I, 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 think I was almost going to put week. the computer bug though. So the computer bug one is is really good. Um, yeah, like I I was thinking you were going to put the computer bug down too. I was worried we were going to have the same one, and now you just threw me for a loop with Bosco's. That has to be the best one. Yeah, you can just pick it up, and then if you if you pick it up, and then you go back to that room, there's another Bosco's. So you can just say, take Bosco's again, and it says, you already have a Bosco's. Don't try to do that. You can't have two Bosco's <laughs> in the same inventory. It'll mess stuff up. They really thought about it. <laughs> uh, just the idea that you dip this store in a lake of cuteness. Uh, it, it's such a silly little idea. Um, 
but the reality 2.0 goggles themselves the vr goggles are an item and i was going to i was going to say that before i thought of um bosco's oh that's true that would have been a good one we wouldn't have even had an episode if we didn't have those yeah those those are definitely high up there um so that's our that's our potent pickups segment i think this episode is very item heavy there's a lot of good ones I think in any other episode, especially like episode three, any of the swords would have won. Uh, the 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 paint can where you repaint your car would have won. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a fun puzzle. Um, this episode does have a lot of good inventory items. Good, and I think it helps. Items. Yeah, I, th- I think it helps that they ha- all have different forms in both realities. So we are. Uh, now headed into linguistic gymnastics, where we talk about our favorite dialogue lines from the episode. Dustin, I want to go first. I, I you always go first. I'm I'd be more than Grr. happy to let you go first. <laughs> You're asserting your dominance, and I like it. <laughs> uh, so I've got um when uh when Sam and Max find out that Sybil's beta testing a game online. They ask her, basically, what is an internet and how does a video game? And Sybil (laughs) goes, sometimes I forget you guys are Luddites. And Max goes, we are not. We're just very good friends. (laughs) Uh, Which I thought was interesting considering just last episode we talked about uh, Sam and Max's potential uh, homosexual relationship and whether or not it exists and I think definitely it's it, it's it's growing on me as more of a yeah this probably this probably does exist. Um, yeah, like like you said in that episode, uh, they're probably uh, a little closeted, and I think that makes sense with Max's response and how uh, defensive he gets about it. Yeah, especially how they treat their office's uh, closet. <laughs> Stuff gets in there, tied up, never comes out. Um, That's true. So here, this one's not funny, <laughs> uh, but one is when you're talking to the cops and um, the, the, the issue of usefulness and power comes up and Bob says, Bob the phone says, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And then Kurt says, the internet knows everyone. Again, not funny, but just another like line from cops that really makes you think you know really makes you they got a lot of thinkers they they really do they, they have a lot of lines uh that sort of support the core thesis of the show or sorry the game and what the game's talking about much more than like any other episode and you know what i would, I would i'm wondering if heather logos is the difference here because she's the only new um uh writer and designer on the team i i'm wondering if she's responsible for cops in some way it that could be that's a that's a good that's a good thought yeah you're right i mean this is kind of the this is kind of the first time one of these episodes has had something that uh kind of makes you think that much about it yeah they're they're a heavy concept there's a lot going on with them while also just being funny yeah, I, I mean, that line isn't 
particularly funny, but it's I I just I just think about it. the internet knows everyone, and it's about who you know. Uh, I've definitely been able to relate to that in the last few years of trying to internet. Um, okay, here's here's an actual funny line. Uh, when you go into the office, and and like it's like everything else in reality 2.0, where it's only sort of the wireframe of the office there. Uh, mm. Sam goes, well, I guess this is what our office would look like if it didn't exist yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty, I forgot about that one. It's a good line. Uh, and then I got one last one, which is uh, when you free Bosco from the hypnosis, um, mm. and then you talk to him afterward, you go, hey, Bosco, do you believe us yet that you were hypnotized? And then Bosco goes... Yeah, you're right. I was hypnotized. I just didn't know it because I was hypnotized. Uh, pretty good, pretty good Bosco line. Thanks, Bosco. Oh, speaking of Bosco, before we get to mine, I I had this written down in my notes. So, like we said before, they recasted Bosco, which is good. I feel like he gets better and better with the role in every episode. I feel I actually feel like he's kind of weak in the first episode, but as time goes on, I feel like he's like spot on in this episode. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the new voice actor for Bosco does in season 2 because of how central Bosco is to season 2. Yeah. Um and then by the time we get to season 3, Bosco's barely in that at all. In fact, I don't think he is at all. Um Right, it's Mama Bosco. Oh, spoilers. Uh, is that the same voice actor? Uh, for Mama Bosco? Yeah. Uh, Mama Bosco has a female voice. True. <laughs> yeah, that would do it. That would make it different. Uh, so, uh, what what are your uh, what are your lines? So. Okay, so my first one, uh, it's a back and forth between Sam and Max in the office right at the beginning. Um, Sam says, why did you put the Bill of Rights on our dartboard? Max says, house cleaning. Guess what? We no longer have the right to peacefully assemble. Sam says, great. And Max (laughs) says, and next, and like that alone is funny. But then Max says, and next time you're incarcerated, you'll have the choice of cruel or unusual punishment. And Sam says, I'm beginning to regret voting for the other guy. I wrote that down, but I <laughs> I wrote that down, but I didn't write the quote. I love the idea I, I that just he, l- vote, he voted for the other guy when they were campaigning hard against him. <laughs> I know, I agree. That's exactly why I had it. Like, the rest of the line was funny, but that's what made me put it down as one of my favorites. It, it's. Do you think, though, he voted for Lincoln? Or did he vote for Nader? Ooh, that's a good point. Because Na- Nader I, I never kept thought having about like that 1% in the polls, and I wondered, like, is that just Sam? <laughs> <laughs> it could be, but I also like the idea that he he voted for Lincoln despite running against him. He, he just knows the right man for the job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, and uh, my next line is so at one point you have to get the password for bosco's uh account and to do that you have to get him to turn around so you can see his password tattooed on his body and it's it's just a stupid line that makes no sense but it's also a reference to a different game sam says look behind you a three-headed internet (laughs) 
Yeah, and Bosco's paranoid <laughs> enough that like he'll definitely be actually afraid of that. Yeah, he says, what, where? A three-headed internet does not make sense, first of all. I <laughs> I love the vibe that we have when we have to explain why a joke is funny in this segment. It is so unfunny for us to be like, and this is funny because three-headed you internets see the are reason. not things. <laughs> it makes me laugh. <laughs> I mean, it, it is, is funny, funny because it's, the idea of having to explain this on a podcast, it, it, it does sort of make it unfunny. I'm sorry, everyone listening who hasn't played the game yet. Uh, anything else? <laughs> that that mean that means when they if they ever get around to playing this game, when it gets to Sam saying, "Look behind you, a three headed internet," they'll just say, "That's what they were talking about on the podcast." Mm-hmm. I hope they laugh. <laughs> Oh, uh, another one is when they're doing um, they're doing the uh, money laundering and they have to get Bosco the one billion dollars. And so there's a bunch of different things to move the money towards. One of them is called Kittens for Peace with the number four in the title. And Max says, oh, good. Three things I can't stand. <laughs> <laughs> That, I, I didn't even realize that one at first. <laughs> Four is one of the things he can't stand. Um, it, are, are we... Do you have any more? No, I think that's all. Like I said, this one didn't have like a whole lot of big laughs for me. It, it had chuckles here and there. But um, over, overall, those are the big ones that stood out. That's still yeah. a lot. That's still three three big lines. A lot of games don't even have one. I think this is my favorite episode of the show so far. Sorry, of the I keep saying show. It's just it's hard to say episode of the <laughs> of, and then of not our say show. show. Our favorite episode we've talked about on our show so far. Oh, how about that? Oh, are you saying it's your favorite episode of telling the tale? No, I no, this I'm one. saying <laughs> since yeah, since you said since you said your favorite episode of the show. I'm just trying to back uh, you up and make you and help you not look foolish. Ah, uh, okay. Well, you're welcome. Reality 2.0 is my favorite episode of both our show and the game. Wow, a twofer. I don't know. I don't know if it's my favorite episode of the game so far, just because, like I said, I I think I kind of prefer Abe Lincoln Must Die, but I do think this is a very close, solid second place. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of things in this episode that, like, it maybe does betray the tone of Sam and Max, um, where Sam and Max is supposed to be, or at least up to this point, has been very wacky, um, very energetic, high octane. And this one just wants you to sit down for a moment and listen to some, like, out-of-date electronics talk to each other in a support group for a little bit. And... <laughs> For for me, for uh, for a person who our mutual friend Jeff Onan has described as only likes video games that are poems, uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I think that's great. But uh, <laughs> but I, I, it definitely is lighter on the comedy than normal. I think for me, it evens out to be the best episode in spite of that. But I can definitely see defaulting to saying that Abe Lincoln Must Die is actually the best episode. Yeah, um, but, you know, it's still a very, very good episode. Like I said, I still put it in, like, second place so far. 
but um i think that's i think it helps these games kind of stand out telltale does that a lot um i definitely noticed that with uh tales of monkey island monkey island's kind of a similar series where you know it's very uh comedy based in the past games but then when telltale gets it they try to do they try to have more drama to it they try to have more story and i think they do a pretty good job of it yeah lucasarts has always been a very story heavy um studio but then telltale took it further because lucasarts was mostly focused i think on comedy and at the beginning here in sam and max i think telltale is still there but as the history will go on and i'm sure we'll see this as we get further into this podcast uh they focus more and more on defining themselves as a narrative video game studio like that's what they make that's who they are they are they make narrative games rather than comedy games or even adventure games they the the focus is on telling a story and um even just from the beginning of this season to the end of this season which happens in the span of less than a about a like a half a year maybe a little bit over a half a year um you you can tell they're already on the road to focusing more on what the episodic release schedule of these video games can do for the narrativity of the video games than what it can do for the comedy of it. Right. It really helped them uh, stand out like for as long as they uh, existed. Uh, that is what they were known for. And they really carved a nice niche out for themselves. Yeah, I, I wonder, the only exception I can think about this is uh, Strong Bad. So I wonder if we get to that, it'll feel like a weird diversion from what they normally do. Or if when we get to The Walking Dead, that'll feel like more of a di- diversion because, I mean, obviously, ga- uh, gameplay-wise it is, but it will feel like the wrong, um, what do you call it? It'll just feel like the wrong vibe. Uh, because it, that game is it, not a comedy at all. Let let's call it a different vibe. Yeah, calling it calling it wrong implies that they made a bad move, but they 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 just kind of switched gears and went down a different path. As the cops would describe it, it is differently vibed. <laughs> uh, That's very true. Dustin, where can people find you? Um, I can be found at Amazing DJ Dustin on Twitter and most other things. Except maybe not because I'm not on a whole lot. Instagram, maybe. Are you on Instagram? I am on Instagram, and I think it's the same, Amazing DJ Dustin. I've only been saying my Twitter up until now, but I totally forgot. I have more than Twitter. I have Instagram as well. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at the Wolf FM. That's at T H E W O L F E F M. Uh, by the way, just want to give a shout out to uh, Twitter user Just Andre, who gave us a really nice uh, bit of feedback on on uh, Twitter. They said that they were working at as a uh, uh, an employee in a hotel for the night shift, where according to them they do a lot of things that are just not fun jobs but uh they've been listening to episodes of telling the tale during their shift and it's gotten them through uh really uh rough late night shifts so far and that stuff's just awesome to hear i love that dustin i think you saw that too 
Um, I did. Just just really great. Um, Thank you very much, Just Andre. Yeah, thanks, Appreciate Andre. the kind words. And, and we're glad we can help you out. Yeah, our part of the deal on that is that we will continue making at least this episode. So here you go. Uh, <laughs> in fact... I think we're being pretty generous. Yeah, in fact, that. I'm feeling so generous that we'll announce that next week we will be covering the final episode of Sam and Max Save the World. Sam and Max Save the World, episode six, The Bad Side of the Moon. Ooh. So, you know, we're going to the moon, probably. <laughs> probably going to find out who Roy G. Biv is. We maybe already spoiled it for you if you hadn't already. Oops. We're sorry. Not. I'm not sorry. <laughs> it, it shows you whose face is on the moon. It does show you whose face is on the moon. Um, so... We'll see that person there. And uh, are, are you excited? How excited are you for this next episode? I, I kind of don't remember if I thought it was a good ending or not. And I definitely don't remember um, any puzzles. I'm kind of with you. I think this might be the episode I remember the least. And I don't know why, because I played it the same amount of times as every other episode. Maybe it's just because it's near the end, so like I, I have more time to let the others kind of sink in. I, I remembered some stuff about this, but I remember the last time I played it, I remembered like 0% of the puzzles. All I remember about this episode was that it felt like twice the length of a normal episode. I remember Ooh. it feeling long. Which is, which is fine I... for a last episode, but it, it was interesting at the time. Yeah, I guess of all the episodes you want to be long, it's nice to go out with a nice meaty bang. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you though, I've been uh, mostly I've been playing every episode of the game about like one or two days before we record. I'll, I'm probably gonna just as soon as we're done with uh, the editing of this episode, and I don't have to think about this episode anymore. I'm just gonna jump right into this next episode because I want to play it right now. I'm excited about it. Ooh. Mitch taking initiative. An initiative. An initiative. Hey, that almost works. It doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. So long, everybody. Differently useful computers and yes. Hello, world. We're the COPS. Beware. We will not be surprised.